0: Oh, here we go, Mark. Off be, again with you. Mark Mark yeah, yeah. So you know, that's the thing about podcasts, is when you're on the air, and it's like therapy, you know, if I can't talk to my family about this stuff, I'll talk to you, Matt, and all our listeners. You tell your whole podcast. Yeah. So who are we talking about today, Matt? Great Wall of Texas, a 200,000-year-old rock wall unearthed in 1852. The Maine Penny, aka the Goddard Coin, depicting an 11th century Norwegian king found in a Penobscot Indian site in Brooklyn, Maine in 1957. There are dozens of other examples, like the Lake Winnipesaukee Mystery Stone or the Kensington Runestone. These are all examples of what exactly? Evidence that we have been lied to about the history of this country. Lucky for us, more and more people are beginning to take up the mantle of revisionist history, examining the lost, forgotten, and purposely hidden details of our pockmarked past. And lucky for me, I have many bright minds who I share these interests with. And here to discuss all this and so much more are my friends Juan Ayala from the One on One Podcast and Danunaki Dan from the Rising from the Ashes podcast here with me, Mystic Mark on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy this episode swapcast with Dan and Juan.
1: So D- Tua de Danan is basically the people of the Duot. The dan dan of the duat and so interestingly enough the dogmen were part of like egyptian lore also the werewolf right this idea of living between like reality and spiritual the in-between realm i think you guys mark were talking about the thunderbird and how that's like a thing that's in between and that there was like a, a Bigfoot that's like physical but also in between in that spiritual realm and The other thing that is, is the Tuatha Dé Danan. They were said to be like these spiritual people, but also physical, they're called the Daemen, the Godmen. And so they came from the Duat of Egypt. And I think that's pretty fucking interesting and intriguing because there's a lot of dog mythology, especially Anubis is the God of the underworld. these
2: people were so highly advanced that they could actually change their genome it relates to it's like a circuit board right so around the world there's all these places and around all these places the same soil that's found in the amazon is found around these megalithic structure sites so the idea is that they had some sort of network that they could tap into on one side of the world and they could do something on the other side of the world like a quantum entanglement that's why you see similar pyramids, the step pyramids. That's why you see them all over the world in Mesoamerica in ancient Egypt and in India and all these different places.
0: Well, shit. we're kind of starting late, but here we are. We got time to, to put an episode together here. Kind of a Illuminati confirmed swap cast, if you will. Although we're missing uh, Chris and Roman, but Dan. Welcome to the show, brother. I figured we would try to get Juan in here and Chris and Roman, but it worked out to just the three of us, and that's fine. How's everything going, man? I heard your call to join us on more podcasts, and I said, I'll I'll have you back on. Why not? You joined us on my show a while Um, back, and it's about time you return. How you been?
1: (laughs) I'm doing good, dude. Yeah, you know, I've been busy with moving and breaking up a relationship, and and then my son came and stayed with me for two months, like right after that, for a summer break. So, yeah, I've just been super fucking busy with shit. And now he he le- he let just left to go start school again. So I was like, fuck, I got tons of time. I ain't doing shit. I got nothing to do. So I I, I you, should Dan? go do some podcasts. I'm fucking old. 41. Oh,
2: uh, that's all right. How old is your son? He sounds like a grown-ass man already. Oh, not, he's 11. Oh, that's a grown ass man, bro. Yeah, mine's four. He's an asshole. Yeah. So, can't imagine how yeah, 11. <laughs> Does it get better? Or like, how did, like, what happens?
1: Mm, you have to treat them like a person, not like a child. I think <laughs> if you talk to them like they're just like a little human, they'll be all right. But if you talk to them like they're a baby, then they think they're a baby all the time and they complain and whine and cry and shit. So, so you gotta treat them like a homunculus, pretty much. Then yeah, tr- well, treat them like a homie, but but you get them like give them like options. You always give them options so they can make their own decisions. Even if you like lead them into what options you want, like the government does to us, at least they still feel like they're making their decision, and you're not controlling them. And then they feel mm-hmm. better later in life, like they can make their own decisions for themselves too. And then if they make the wrong decision, go, I don't know about that because that might happen with this. So maybe you should try this one. Mm. And they go, okay, let's do that. Yeah. Yeah. Good question. I always think like,
0: well, I have to know because I have two, right? And no, I'm not being facetious. Yeah. I mean it. That's a good question. And I I hadn't known you're 41, Dan. If you asked me to guess, I would have guessed 31. You're very yeah. Yeah.
1: You know. Oh, yeah. Well, half of my face has Botox in it, you know.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. That
1: California smile, huh? Yeah. <laughs> 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 it's because I got fucking Bell's palsy like two years ago. So how?
2: Oh do really, dude? You so, you're being serious? I thought you were fucking. Wrong, I thought you, I
0: thought you were kidding, Dan.
2: You're dry, sorry for that. You got a dry
0: sense of humor and then just a
1: dry, you know, delivery. So it's hard to <laughs> look how my look how my eyes blink. <laughs> hmm.
2: Is is that genetic? Like, is that from stress or how does it happen? Like, because I've seen people get people. that before.
1: What? I got COVID in 2019 in like December, November, December. And then, yeah, like towards in December. Oh, it was during Christmas time. And then in like January, like a week later after I thought I was done being sick, I was eating like fucking a bagel with cream cheese and I felt a cramp in my jaw. And I was like, oh, what the fuck? Like sometimes I I get jaw cramped, you know? And Mm -hmm. so I was like trying to massage it out. And then I went to dinner with my girlfriend and she's like, the fuck, why do you keep fucking winking at me? I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm not winking at you. And she's like, yeah, you are. You keep fucking winking at me. Where, what, why are you doing that? I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not winking at you. <laughs> and then I was like, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know. I was like, my jaw's been hurting today and shit. So I ended up going to the doctor after that. And,
2: Dude, that's uh, fucking you know, gnarly, bro. Yeah, that's crazy because I had, I believe I had COVID as well. At the end of 2019, December, I was in Tennessee for years and I was super sick. I had the cough, had the fever, had everything. Everything. And later on, they had said that that it it had started in November of 2019. And then obviously it peaked in March. So when I was in Tennessee, I was dying pretty much. I believe I had that. And I think that's what really saved me throughout the entire thing where I didn't get it again. And if I did get sick, it would be very mild and not Mm. too crazy. And recently I had it, I tested positive, but I felt fine. I didn't really feel Mm. any different. I mean, that's what That's what the test. I got
1: it. I got a second time in August and I did go to the doctor for that and got tested for the COVID and I was positive and it was exactly, it was exactly the same fucking symptoms and all the same shit as what I had in 2019 fever and chills and body aches and shit. Mm -hmm. I never, I never get fever and chills ever. I don't even, I can't even remember the last time that happened to me before that before those two instances. So yeah, they said the weed helps in the same thing. And they my girlfriend the- lost her smell and she couldn't smell anything.
2: Yeah, that would mm-hmm. suck. But they say the weed helps because the, I think it's the cannabinoids or something attached to the cell and it doesn't let the virus reproduce. That's what I heard. But then they came out and said that if you smoke weed, then you're taking, you're shortening your lifespan. So see how that works. Like, wait, <laughs> it's gonna help you with X, Y, Z, but you're gonna die quicker. I'm like, dude, this stuff comes from the ground. It literally comes from water, <laughs> soil, well, and sunlight. Poop comes from the ground
0: too. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> poop goes to the ground. I don't know oh, if yeah. it comes from the ground. <laughs> it falls I don't know what ground you're ground. looking at, bro.
2: <laughs>
1: don't plants shit. Don't plants take shits too? Um, <laughs> mushrooms. What? No, <laughs> you know, can you fact check that? Well, for mushrooms me are under poop. <laughs> I think
0: I think we're having a very very specific conversation right now. Yes, plants um, do release excrement. It wouldn't really? look like. Yeah, yeah. What do you think? Like yeah, bark is are. like the bark of a tree gr- is a growing thing. You can see certain trees shed their bark over mm. the course of a season. Some never shed their bark. And that's the We're type not gonna of see a fucking log come out of a tree like a fucking turd. <laughs> that's <laughs> where the term dropping log, logs dog. comes from bro. <laughs> <laughs> that's the OG log bro. That's the OG log. <laughs> I, you know I, I think yeah I think everything deteriorates and decays and our bodies are just specialized enough to where that happens on the inside and not the outside. You know we don't have like fingers deteriorating off the same way a tree like loses a branch and can still stay alive and regrow. You know we don't lose our fingers and grow them back the way a lizard does but but yeah everything's in that sort of limited thermodynamics law of like you know what is created must be destroyed or or something to that effect i know i'm butchering it but uh, but yeah how did we get to poop exactly i I had something loaded in the chamber to ask dan next but now we're (laughs) on a different subject
2: (laughs) well i'm I'm actually gonna be gardening. I want to start gardening, and I've been I've been talking to Andy from the Deep Share because he's all into the mm-hmm. whole growing and stuff. And I, me and him, I've been going back and forth because I want I I haven't researched what I can and can't grow here in Florida,
0: but oranges, I, bananas, Cuban orange, people, yeah,
2: probably right. So Tobacco. I want to. I want to set up the crates and I was asking him like how'd you do it? And he showed me his setup. So I'm probably gonna do this something similar, not the same thing, because he's got like a whole big whole big setup, really dope. So I'm thinking about
0: doing something a lot smaller and maybe doing
2: tomatoes and
0: you know Jim Gale lives down there in Florida somewhere. You know who Jim Gale is, right? I mean Dan's interviewed Jim on his podcast, but I don't think you have. No, you haven't, Dan? Sounds familiar. Huh. Is it from your podcast that I've seen it? No, I've talked to them, but. there Abundance. Yeah, Jim kind of like jumped off like 20 minutes into the podcast and left me talking to his secretary. So I was like, yeah, this isn't oh, that guy. This isn't really a full episode, you know, never really made it anywhere, unfortunately. But he, he went on so many podcasts saying the same thing. People could listen to it in other places but yeah he lives down there in florida he has like a compound of some kind where they're all growing like a huge variety of plants right in their front yard and backyard and i know Dan's part of florida i don't know but i know dan's going to be closer to that neck of the woods and you know are you planning on having some property when you're down there in your new location you planning on growing some food when you get settled in down there
1: I definitely do. Yeah. That's why I got, it's an acre and a half property. So nice. I figure it's enough for me to produce what I need to live. So that's good enough for me. Five acres, 10 acres, 20 acres. That's a lot of work. It's a lot to uh, manage. So, yeah. Yeah. So I, I plan on having some, some boxes, you know, and growing some staple types of things, mm-hmm. salads and shit. And I us talk in the room about it. Cause we're, we have this idea for hot sauces, fire tribe, hot sauce,
0: herbal, oh, like herbal, herbal remedies and a hot sauce combined something to that effect. Maybe Roman let the cat out of the bag for yeah. me, but
3: don't yeah, divulge
0: too that? much. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I like Basically, it. Uh, it's, it's like seven hot sauces that are li- aligned with your chakras. So each hot sauce
3: oh, damn. has a
1: different like chakra aspect to it. And then you put different plants and stuff in there. That would help to healthen or strengthen that chakra area. So, by eating hot sauce, you're actually helping your body. And if you're like me, I, I put hot sauce on fucking everything.
0: Mm. Yeah, I need some hot sauce. I, Chris, our friend that we normally do Illuminati, confirmed with, he has a spice company, a hot sauce company. So, you might want to oh, get in touch with him, Prozer Spice. Mm-hmm. He might be able to give you some tips and tricks. And yeah, it's. It's good to have when you're doing what I'm planning on doing, which is integrating more meat into my diet, because there's like, there's this like current of carnivore, like, you know, diet, like philosophy. Mm. And apparently the word is, is if you eat enough meat, your muscles will just start to fill themselves out. And I'll tell you guys what me. Okay. When I was in, look at how skinny I am, right? I'm a pretty skinny guy. When I was a Are marshal- you vegetarian, Mark? No, you always ask me this. I'm not Where a is? vegetarian. I'm talking about right. being coming a carnivore. <laughs> so I was a <laughs> vegan for a while, and I realized like I was becoming really like lazy, like way lazier than I could afford to be, especially as a delivery guy. Dan, you know how you know it is. I was basically a mailman with my job, and yeah, I started eating meat. And without working out, without going to the gym, the muscles that I had when I was a martial artist started to fill themselves back out. So now I'm like, holy shit, if I just keep eating cleaner and cleaner meat more and more weekly, maybe I'll start to fill out and I'll just be this like, you know, barbarian looking dude, kind of like you, did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have, <you, laughs>
1: have you ever seen that dude that just eats fucking meat all day and drinks blood with his kids and shit? Drinks The Chinese guy? Fruit. No, he's a fucking big old white buff guy with big old beard and shit. He's I think oh, like yeah. a Chinese guy. know there's there, a lot of guys uh, out
0: there like that to be a man. And they're like showing you how they're eating yeah, huge yeah, cuts yeah. of meat. And like, I haven't seen
1: the blood raw. drinking, but that's gross. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. They eat shit raw. But uh, I, I wouldn't necessarily say to do that, but I would say <laughs> like, if you want to eat, if you want to be strong, because I kind of agree with this aspect, is like I'm, a, I'm pretty much a person of moderation. So I do, I try to do everything moderately. So, and just when you eat food, you want to eat like all different colors of the rainbow because all those different colors have those different energies within them. That's why they show up like purple or yellow or green or blue or whatever. So, you want to try to incorporate those different colors into your diet, even with just your vegetables. But this big old meat guy said, he's like, you don't want to eat fucking chicken, bro. You want to eat fucking like buffalo and fucking beef Buffalo is amazing, like bro. Oh, my you God. wanna eat so good. You want to eat really big, strong animals because that's the type of energy that you're going to be putting into your body. So, right. if you eat Little chicken, us chicken, chickens. Like, it's not going to. <laughs> yeah or, you're just gonna get all
2: <laughs> fucking little chickens bro that's what dude that's yeah. what people look like in these gonna... fucking cars with their masks on dude i seen people with their fucking <laughs> mask on by themselves <laughs> what are we doing bro you need that chicken bro just it fucking. does look like
0: a beak yeah, from right. the side if they have it on their nose and chin the right way it kind of looks like yeah. a beak
1: <laughs> that makes yeah, it makes total sense bro fucking... You're gonna turn into a praxis and shit. So, but this is like the like this is like the ancient approach. Like the animals, yeah, yeah. We become like big people, muscly animals, yeah, yeah. And like bone marrow and use like the different parts of the body. The fats are actually really good too, and everything. I'm not a super expert in any of this. This is just things I've heard because I've been trying to figure out what to do myself. I mostly just intermittent fast all the time because. Me too like you said like i'm when i'm at work i just don't even have time i don't even care it's so fucking hot i just drink fucking water right. constantly so i just fill up on water all day and then eat a meal later at night mm-hmm. yeah i'm with you i was just when
0: i was a delivery guy i was just trying to keep up with the energy i was expending because i didn't have <laughs> any fat restored so i would eat a burger for lunch i would come home i would eat some meat and i would make it through the day There's something to it. Most exhausting job I've ever had. So my heart goes out to you, Dan, out there in that California sun. It might be might be equally as hot in Kentucky, at least for half of the year. But uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, So I I think it's cool that you're coming down there, man. I I know this isn't your particular interest. You and Roman have been spending a lot of time studying ancient history and mythology and and all of the things that we can learn from looking backwards but a lot of people talk about how weird Kentucky is I mean are you excited to be in a paranormal hot spot like that
1: yeah I definitely am I was talking to Rowan about it too and I want to like try to get out Uh, on some weekends and with a video camera and go check out some of these spots and film it and, and go to them in person. And, you know, because a lot of what we do is just talking about these places, but when you actually get to go there and see it and feel it, it it becomes different, you know, it's, it it becomes more reality. So maybe other things will come to me when I go actually visit these places. And like mammoth cave is going to be like, half an hour away from me and if that and then like ohio valley Valley, the ohio valley mounds are pretty much all around me to the north and then mississippi to the west so i mean there's going to be a whole lot of places for me to go oh yeah so i'm really looking forward to the adventures that i'm going to be having out there and so yeah man i'm really stoked about that too and just kind of living Living a little bit more naturally instead of you know kind of getting off the government dick in a way. But
2: have you seen
1: Hellier yet?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fucking amazing.
2: Have you Hellier seen show, Mark.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I've I never know, seen but it, but it, but I've been little it though. But yeah, I I think more that's the whole real. I think that's the whole like paranormal communities like politics invading the conspiracy Mm. world in some sense like there's there's like too much wokeness in that for some reason that i sense but i haven't seen Mm. Hellier. i just i just get a taste and sense for like that genre and it seems like Mm. a lot of those people were for the lockdown and for the mandates so no i I didn't but I, i did listen to penny royal podcast which was pretty much like a Uh, expansion of Hellier in in a different part of Kentucky, near Somerset, Kentucky, which has not just those mammoth caves, but UFO sightings, meteor events, the meat shower of the 1800s happened out there in Kentucky. (laughs) You ever heard of this one, the meat shower? So you've heard of like, have you ever heard of like the concept of like in the Middle Ages, like it would rain frogs or it would rain like... Cats and dogs, or fish and dogs. Yeah. Cats fish. And dogs. <laughs> well, in Kentucky in the 1800s, family went out on their farm one morning to find all of this really disgusting-looking. Actually, I don't think it was disgusting-looking. Like, I think they said it was edible-looking, gelatinous meat, like just like a cow had exploded in midair, and just like his body fuck? parts were just all over this field and. It was like a mysterious meat; like they couldn't identify the source of it. They couldn't find like a skeleton, and what they what the fuck <laughs> it just materialized. And that was one of the interesting stories they have. Also, the Kentucky goblins; it's another story out mm-hmm. of Kentucky. And Hopkinsville. Yeah, that's it. Hopkinsville goblins. Yeah, so I'm excited, but. It's a little bittersweet, though, because if I'm correct, you're kind of close to another hot spot. You're near Mount Shasta. Are you, are you feeling like maybe you're you're leaving too mm-hmm. soon? Or have you experienced all there is to experience out there in California?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, pretty soon they're going to lock the gates and right. they're going to be stuck in it or out of it. So with the with housing market. With the way the housing market is going, they're they're pretty much raising the interest rates and making it so expensive. Middle income families can't mm. afford this shit. Yep. So only like more well off, richer people are going to be able to afford anything in California. So it's going to turn into kind of elite California or delete California. The elite, the elite, the elite. Yeah, it's going to be the uh, elite versus uh, the homeless zombies battle, battle royale. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much, dude. And then, yeah, everybody, there's all kinds of zombies. But, yeah, it's just, it's it's getting so expensive out here to live. I mean, I make, I make pretty fucking good money and I can't even live by myself. So I have to try to get out of here so I can live by myself. Yeah, um, man. And function you know, have a life. I don't have a life. I'm just working all the time to live here. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I hear you, man. I I felt the same way when I was an Amazon delivery driver, I would work from 10 AM, 9 AM until like 8 PM at night. And Feel like you know by the time i got home like geez all my friends are already two three hours into hanging out and doing stuff like i'm left out yeah. of that crowd and then you know nobody could relate because when you're a delivery driver your co-workers are like not really your co-workers you only see them in the morning you barely you know what i mean like yeah. it's not like other jobs where you yeah. have like buddies that you work with like you're out there on your own so Yeah, I hope that you know something works out to where you can make some money off your property and 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 rent it out And then you don't have to work as much man You put more resources into the show because you and roman. I mean you have really been kicking ass Especially with the the format of your show each month focusing on a different topic and and getting really brilliant people from that field I mean, that's something I I don't think i've ever seen any other podcast do so right off the bat it's impressive that you guys created something new in a field where, you know, a lot of people kind of just take a different whack at the same thing, you know?
1: Yeah. Thanks, man. You know, I kind of had the art idea when we did Tartaria and back in like November last year, I think it was, I just came up with the idea. Let's like, everybody keeps talking about Tartaria. Let's fucking dig into Tartaria. And we, we ended up getting like two or three guests that were already, gonna be people that were talking about tartaria for the month so we're just like well fuck it why not just get another one and then we'll just do tartaria that month and we ended up doing well i think we did like eight but in that one month because we were doing two shows a week for a while so i was like well let's just do that theme month and so we kicked it off then and then in october we started doing everything paranormal to fit in with october and halloween and stuff and then we're all, you know we did november which was just whatever. And then December was like a half a month. So then I brought it up to Rome and I was like, dude, let's like October or when we did Tartari month, that was fucking cool as fuck, dude. Like, what do you think about just doing like themed months? And then we can do kind of like deep dives, get different guests and try to hit some of these topics at different angles. And that way kind of flesh out like what it is and, and maybe come to some other conclusions or whatnot. So it's been pretty fun. Like January, we did God and what is God and November was divine feminine. And then, so once we got that out of the way, cause that's a big aspect of everybody of, of what is spirituality or what is God or what is, you know, what is this fucking shit that we live in? What is the paranormal? So then we started with Atlantis and Lemuria and then we kind of worked our way into ancient America. And then ancient America was so big. We're like, well, let's do it a fucking second month. So we <laughs> yeah. did a second month. And then we ended up doing synchronistic America, you know, like the cities layouts and everything as part of ancient America. And, um, it just kept kind of going from there and then we got into norse mythology and now we're doing egypt we're going to do egypt and sumeria for two months and then now we're going to break off into some other things and well and i uh,
0: wanted gonna, you uh, be- i wanted you to share that because i also wanted a chance to thank you because you and roman inspired a show that roman and i now co-host along with chad and tara and uh, it's fantastic you know we're 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 taking a whole new approach and and sort of focusing on one town at a time and that was inspired by some conversations roman and i had that month and again to compliment you one more time and then i'll get you off the pedestal but i think it's so cool that you do that because each episode you're like building so like by the end of the month you've done so much research on that one subject i mean you must be feeling so prepared for those conversations i mean for me (laughs) just going from like one topic to another to another to another it could be a little dizzying like oh shoot i'm not prepared for this one but you guys kind of
1: like take a whole month to just like put
0: your mind in one place. And I'm sure the listeners really appreciate
1: that. Yeah, I think that helps a tremendous amount to be able to look into different ideas surrounding that one topic, you know, because it gives you more time to look into it than just like a little bit of prep time for this guest and then off to this other subject for this one. And then you can kind of put more together as the month goes on and other guests bring in different ideas. Then you start to use, you know, you're like, I talked to this person last week and now you're saying the same thing about the same subject. And because it's fresh and because people are listening to it on a regular basis, it gives people that more more of that perspective of, of what maybe actually going on rather than
0: well and instead of it being like this disin you know this like you know discombobulated list of random topics it's like you're taking people through a course you know because if somebody were to go back you know right starting now maybe it's all new to them they can go month by month by month and and learn about a whole subject from Mm -hmm. six or seven different perspectives you know i again man that's it's really cool so yeah
1: i I like that's that's Yeah, that's basically what we're doing. We're kind of doing like a linear movement with the show. So that's why we did like God first and then Divine Feminine. Well, and but you started with like Lemuria and Atlantis and then to ancient America and now to Egypt. And then we're going to go to Ireland and Scotland and England and then. um, to, like, Renaissance and to to Tuatha-Bedon-Man in Ireland and then connect that into the Holy Grail.
0: Well, it's a good thing you and Roman are moving two time time zones further east (laughs) because that'll make it easier for you guys to get, like, UK guys on the show. It's probably difficult to schedule (laughs) with people all the way across the pond when you're on the West Coast. But you started with Tartaria, and, you know, Roman and I have conversations all the time on the phone he'll call me while he's watering the plants i gotta listen to this crazy machine (laughs) squirting water but he was telling me the other day he's like you know i I was very skeptical about tartaria and now i'm starting to become more of a believer right something to that effect i don't want to put words Mm -hmm. in his mouth but I, I don't sense that from you, and maybe I'm wrong, and, and I don't know where you stand on it, but how has how your opinion or thoughts about Tartaria evolved since you first started talking about it in the, the beginning there that you described like have you rethought tartaria now that you've learned like what you have about ancient america and all these other ancient cultures or are you still equally perplexed by what some of my guests recently have called propaganda and i'm like hmm, maybe it is propaganda maybe it's just R- russians thumbing their nose at us
1: because we're so silly we'll believe this stuff yeah man uh tartaria is kind of a weird thing there's certain aspects of tartaria that i do believe but then there's also ones that i don't think fit or don't even need to be in there like i don't think flat earth necessarily needs to be part of tartaria i don't think that needs to be a big thing with it I also like i think the mud floods could be explained in maybe a different way if this was like an ancient atlantis area and there was a flood maybe the They just got surrounded in mud that way. I'm sure there's some other aspects to that that I'm not looking at. But, and then as far as like the orphan trains, I think they were taking a lot of kids from Ireland and Scotland and from the war that was going on in Europe at the time and bringing them down to America, probably because they were orphans because their parents died in wars. So I think that they're probably bringing them down. I think, I think a lot of these buildings were the product of these uh, pagan people that were around and then it, they later got taken over by the catholic church and then resubjugated and i think that the, the the church is mostly what the new control system is and what it currently is right but i do think that tartaria the area of tartaria is a real thing there's tartar sauce tartar there's plants that retarded tartar and well, come on one <laughs> there's, there's i learned about the tartary in school there's a group of people called the tartarians but it wasn't like this big huge deal where like they had all this crazy technology or anything like that you know so and then through like looking at ancient america with all the mounds it kind of makes me wonder like who else builds mounds well mm-hmm. obviously people Pagans build mounds, right? The Irish build mounds. So maybe that has something to do with why they're so prevalent in America. Maybe they're not necessarily even Native American. Maybe they come from another place. Maybe maybe they come, like, Box Saga fits in a lot with this, you know, of how there was a civilization before that had all this knowledge and, that's what they're using even the store the ant people from the hopi right they came up from the mounds or they came up from underground and the mound is like an anthill so that's why the they're called the ant people because they're coming from these mounds and they have subterranean tunnels underneath it just like an anthill wow so that makes that starts to make more sense to me too right. so maybe these people are the ones that because the, obviously the ant people to the to the natives weren't the same as them they're different right so why are they different and they're the ones building mounds and then there's snake effigies and shit so Mm. yeah pretty interesting stuff yeah it's interesting but, yeah, that can... I, I still i still fuck with tartaria They're, like i still don't understand the missing thousand years but i've also talked to some astrologists and they say we're still in fucking pisces for another 748 years or something like that so i right. think that's fucking interesting right. makes you kind of wonder so i think time is just all fucked up i can't there's i can't parse out like what time yeah. it is and what time well, and, things and happens
0: and That's, i don't fucking, think you need to necessarily have a conclusion either way i just was curious how your positions evolved because you kind of started there and you guys have ta- covered so many topics since it's yeah it's definitely it's something i've been dwelling on a lot more and and you know our friend exertus who had dugan on his podcast and It's just it's an interesting time for this theory it seems like it's it's getting a resurgence whether that's because it's being you know controlled that way or not I don't Mm. I don't know but either way the mounds you mentioned them maybe being like sort of like buildings that would be above ground that connect you to this underground structure which is really interesting considering what steven snyder said when he was on my show just this afternoon i interviewed him and he was talking about how maybe the mounds were not like burial sites for the natives but genocidal burial grounds where like you know the er culture was erased and they were all thrown in this pile in in a hole which maybe (laughs) underground would have been a subterranean building but now because it's just a mound of dirt you know the entrance has been covered over and they just threw everybody in there and closed it off and said, Oh yeah, they used these and stood on top of them when the truth is, is they weren't standing on top of them. Maybe they were, you know, using them like a portal to go underground or, or yeah, I mean it, not to to dismiss the astronomical alignments. Cause I know those do exist with the ones that are still standing, but it is interesting to consider that hope be legend. And, and maybe what these mounds were, were, were more tangible or had a more tangible purpose than we're led to believe.
1: Yeah, I, I asked somebody recently. I said, maybe do you think that the mounds were storage storage containers? Like they would come off the river, like the Mississippi or the Nile, uh, or or whatever, wherever they're at. They'd come off the river. They would unpack the ship, and then they would s- store everything into these mounds so that they could come back for it later. And or they were dropping them there so that way other people could run them to other different tribal areas from that certain location.
0: Right. And I know you seem
1: to be able to be built for preservation of some sort. They found copper, they found seeds and grains inside of them. So they could have been just using them for homes or something. But when you look at the idea of a dolmen too, they're always by sea area too and Mm -hmm. it seems like maybe they were like tie-ups or like they're using it to tie up their ships or using it for some type of storage container because of the small space going into the dolmen you know they talk about it being for like smaller people or whatnot but maybe they're just using them for like little storage places
0: well yeah like a root cellar i mean there are dolmens here in, in new england that some people think were built by travelers from Northern Europe. Others say that the natives learned how to build them from trading with those people or, or maybe just came up with it themselves. But yeah, I've been to one of these stone chambers in new England. It's called Wamp. Womp. We probably talked about it before, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's interesting to consider like, you know, <laughs> what these things were actually used for. I know you talked to Rick Osmond on your show and, and he showed. Yeah, that's what I was going to bring up. Yeah. The the trading network, right? And how they had that Amazonian right. chocolate and coffee all the way up to Wisconsin and Norway. all the way far
1: east is yeah. Georgia. And yeah. So he's like, how, how, do, how do they get up there so quick? Well, they take the river, they drop it off in these, different areas where there's a mound and they go to the next one, drop it off in a mound, drop it off in a mound. And then you have like runners on horses that take them from those and run them. east. The original Amazon locations. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly, dude. Exactly. From the Amazon drivers.
2: (laughs) From the Amazon. Exactly. Yeah. I I like the idea that the Amazon was
0: a out of control botanical garden
2: you heard that theory before
0: with the black yeah, yeah. like it was like it was a uh ancient a civilization that was super advanced they're using all these like types of fertilizers and soils that when they you know for whatever reason stopped doing what they were doing the fertilizer in the soil was so potent that it created this like super jungle that uh, absorbed mm-hmm. it
2: because mm-hmm. for the longest time, they were saying how there couldn't be, there, there wasn't a possibility that there could be survival of a civilization in this area. Because it's, it's tough, you know, it's tough ground in the, in the jungle. It's hot, it's humid. There's animals everywhere to get through, like here in Florida in the swamp, to get through... Twenty feet, you got to cut down a bunch of things. But oh, time you yeah. get to the other side, it's it's you know there's you're really killer tired,
0: plants, so. bro. There's not just killer animals, there's killer plants. Everything.
2: <laughs> and so when they're tearing down this fo- this forest, they're finding hidden cities underneath the 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 canopies. And it's like, wait, so you said they couldn't survive, but then we're finding entire networks of roads, of buildings, and all that stuff. So people had to have lived here at one point. And I really, really like the idea because it ties into the Tartaria narrative where these people were so highly advanced that they could actually change their genome. if they could actually change. And it relates to it's like a circuit board. Right. So around the world, there's all these places and around all these places, the same soil that's found in the Amazon is found around these megalithic structure sites. So the idea is that they had some sort of network that they could tap into on one side of the world and they could do something on the other side of the world, like a quantum entanglement type thing. And that's why you see similar pyramids, the step pyramids. That's why you see them all over the world in Mesoamerica, in ancient Egypt, in India, and all these different places, because it was a network. It was literally a worldwide web, an ethereal web that these people were able to tap into. And I know you and I have no. talked about it before where the pyramids are pretty much, I've heard of it, put as squirt guns for the soul or for the essence where people get in there and they're squirted into oh this. I know it sounds funny.
0: squirted into this, this network. <laughs> Why are you laughing, Mark? Yeah, it sounds weird. That's for sure. So when they're squirted into it. Then what happens? And then their soul can they can either astral project or travel
2: and go wherever because these buildings are are that's why I showed you guys that book architecture architecture nature and magic because back then architects were looked as magicians they were that same book you have that so the the idea being that they built these structures to emulate a different dimension and the initiates are able to tap into that mm. by doing whatever that they do. So it's like, the, I don't know if you guys heard the latest episode of the confessionals today. Yeah. Awesome. No.
0: Yeah. Was a good time. one?
2: Yeah. It was really good where the guy talks about the, the megalithic structures and how it relates to spirituality. Mm. And it's really good, dude. I mean, check it out, but he was pretty much. I think, uh,
1: I think like the step pyramids maybe were some type of, pyramid type garden and they're growing stuff in the flat parts and they're able to harvest plants and stuff maybe from the the resonance that the pyramid would help them grow faster
0: yeah yeah well we see certain types of plants thrive on top of rocks and yeah it definitely Mm. could be maybe a better place for to grow than in the sand if you're in a desert right
1: well, also certain certain plants, they need like rising sun or setting sun or like diff- those different types of sunlight. Mm-hmm. So if you structure the pyramid to face north with this face, then you get your east and west and you can put what your, your plants are that you need that are supposed mm-hmm. to get your rising and setting sun. And, and then your all day sun will be the other two sides because they'll be getting sun all day long.
0: Dude. Right. Wow. I like that idea. Yeah, that's really interesting. Well, you've been talking a lot about that particular area about of the world this month. It's a good month to focus on Egypt and Sumer because it's been hot, and I'm sure it's even hotter there on yeah. the equator. But any other really fascinating things that you have found? I mean, there's so much to cover when you're looking at those two cultures, but what what is some
1: new things you've learned about Sumer or, or Egypt? So like when i first started a long time ago i think when the first time i was on your show i was talking about the tribe of dan and the connections of the tribe of dan and how that led me kind of into box. don't be Saga. trying to
2: recruit people for your cult bro all right don't come here with that shit oh, oh come on
1: one <laughs> all are welcome <laughs> there's nothing there's nothing to join for box like either you either look into it or you don't like there's nothing like to practice or to believe. What in. about the it's tribe just, of uh, Dan? Can I join the tribe chemistry. of Dan? Yeah. So, so, oh, is that what you mean by a tribe a cult?
2: Yeah. I was going to uh, say, where do I submit my application?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I was listening to Gerald Massey, the, the the Egyptian, something light of Egypt or something like that. And uh, Graham, Graham Dunlop from Grammarica was reading it. And uh, oh, wait, was it that one or the esoteric language? Either one could have been either or I don't remember. But anyways, they're talking about the, the Duat of Egypt and the lower place, the the subterranean realm or whatever you refer to it as. But so like the Duat and Tuats are actually the same words. And so Tuat De Danan is basically the people of the Duat, the Dan, Dan of the Duat. And so interestingly enough one when you guys you and uh, roman did the werewolf episode that hit on a lot of things for me too with the dog men, right because the dog men were part of like egyptian lore also the werewolf right this idea of living between like Reality and spiritual, the in between realm. I think you guys, Mark, were talking about the Thunderbird and how that's like a thing that's in between, and that uh, there was a, like a, a Bigfoot that's like physical, but also in between in that spiritual realm. And the other thing that is, is the Tuatha De Danan. They were said to be like these spiritual people, but also physical. The, they're called the daemon the Godmen. And so they came from the Duat of Egypt. And I think that's pretty fucking interesting and intriguing because there's a lot of dog mythology, especially Anubis is the god of the underworld. And then that connects to the same idea of this tribe of Dan. So I'm going to do some more digging into that. But you also have the Sudan in Egypt. Anything you see, like a Dan name or Dawn, even the cult of Dawn, is is all has to do, I believe, with this tribe of Dan and these people who were kind of everywhere. They were the mercantile class, the merchants who were driving this seafaring trading. This is like Atlantis Part 2, which is kind of what Tartaria is, in a way. And even some of these tribes that you hear about in the Bible coincide to different places in this land of Tartaria because 10 of the tribes escaped to the north to escape persecution from the Assyrians and only two tribes stayed Judah. And, and I think we're the only two tribes that stayed in Israel. The, all the other tribes went to the north. And then you also have Isaac and Isaac is supposed to be the progenitor of like Jesus' family line of David and the Isaac people are the ones that became the Scythians. It's a car. So Scyth, Sys, Isaac's sons are the Saxons, Isaacs sons. So the Saxons and are the people that lived in between the Caspian and the Black Sea. And they're also the Scythians and the Scythians are also in Irish mythology. It's a she spelled S-I-D-H-E Sid, said he or the Sith. people talk about it like that too. So, You have this idea of this tribe of Dan and this tribe of Isaac and the Saxons all kind of pretty much running trade from this area. And maybe that's why part of the reason why their people were trying to persecute them is because they were pretty much controlling all the trade networks. And with all that trade network, you get a lot of power. So obviously other people always want to come for that power.
2: To add to that, Dan, because it's funny you mentioned that because I recorded an episode this past weekend with, again, a guy who is into old, old Florida, Tartaria, and there's a guy, John Saxon, right, where he Mm -hmm. claims to be this prince of wherever you have the anglo Saxons, you have all that good stuff. Anyways, this guy claims to say, he claims that Florida is actually the Garden of Eden. And in St. Pete, and the reason that he says that's because they, they believe it was the hub of this Atlantis empire, because all along mm-hmm. the west coast of Florida, they've found huge anchors, these anchors that are just ginormous with huge holes drilled into the centers
0: of yeah, them. Those, those are, what are called the moors. It.
2: So. They're all over the state, the entire West Coast, and they found an up uh, the state just would give them away, like, oh, here you go, whatever. It's like, wait, there's a big ass rock and there's a hole drilled into the center of it. You guys aren't going to question who or what did that. Right. So, have you ever heard of the Bach Tower?
0: Oh, yeah, have I have a picture of it, it on my wall. Yeah, I think we brought this up one time, Dan, Roman, and I, when we first talked about Tartaria, because I just found this postcard one book in a bookstore around the time so, Dan, so Roman, and I talked.
2: This guy, the guy that wrote that book, right? I, I, have, I have been there. I've been to the Bach Tower now. Right, talking, this is what, what's so beautiful about talking to different people in the community because they all add to different... Ideas. So this is, these are pictures of the book. These are the astrological signs that are engraved mm-hmm. into this. So essentially the guy created the, this is a door and this is all engraved to that door. And there's a serpent on the side of it. So anyways, the, the idea of being, so here's a picture of an engraving of Florida. You have Poseidon there. You have mm-hmm. the Bach tower in the center. You have all these, it's almost like an alchemical painting. Now the idea of being, and you have the Gator in there as well, that it's a recreation of the Garden of Eden. And it goes back to this idea of architecture where these architects, they want to make the macro into a micro. So this dude was literally emulating a garden because it's a garden, the Bach Tower Gardens. He was emulating the Garden of Eden. And this tower has the stained glass, has that Moorish type architecture where it's real weird. And it's made of a certain type of, Rock, you can't go in it. You can't go in Probably it. Probably granite of some kind. Some crazy rock. I forgot the name of it, but we went into it in, in detail at uh, when I was at the bookstore recording the episode, and we talked all about Florida potentially being the OG Garden of Eden, oh. and a, bit, a little bit of the history of it of the guy because I think Florida is really one of the and and shout out to homie Romy because he was the one that really kickstarted this whole esoteric mm. Florida because he came, he went to St. Augustine and he was blown away by the whole Flagler thing. And it doesn't stop with Flagler. It goes. So it, it's in the click of Flagler. He was hanging out with Henry Ford. He was hanging out with Firestone. He was hanging out with all these guys, all these lizards, right? All these guys. And they were doing some shady stuff with the state of Florida now. Right. My whole mm. thing with the indigenous people, obviously they were wiped out is. And there's different views on it of why they didn't write about
0: hold seeing on, hold on, these hold on. buildings. You're, t- you're taking us into a different direction, Juan. <laughs> but I do appreciate that thought because you're right. That's that's always been my <clears throat> main suspicion. So just a quick correction. It's Bach Tower Gardens, and the tower is known as the Singing Tower. Mm. But, yeah, it's really interesting. I can't find what it's made out of right away, but... Dan, you mentioned the Tuatha de Danin. And it's my understanding mm-hmm. that the four features of a tarot card deck, the suits of a tarot card deck, are based on the the original story of the Tuatha de Danin or or the main components mm-hmm. of that story, the shield, the sword, the cup, and the the wand. Is that does that check out with what you've learned?
1: The wand. We're cooking with fire now. <laughs> I think there was like four Four treasures that the Twather day demand had. There's either three or four of them, so that it would be pretty interesting if maybe those were them. Uh, I think it does tie into like Wales and then the Holy Grail and King Arthur. Mm-hmm. And Quash, Wales, bro. Welsh, yeah. The Welsh, yeah, Wales. Oh, yeah.
0: well, Welsh. Okay, okay,
1: yeah. Sorry. And
0: then to bring uh, Rick Osmond back up again, he has that whole thing about the you know that prince coming yeah. over here to America yeah, and exactly. Dude, the Welsh are and interesting. And then you also
1: have you also have that connection of tarot to Thoth and the Thoth tarot deck, and him being like kind of the inventor of what tarot was. So that came from hermeticism and Thoth, which is the doom the serpent, which is also in Mesoamerica and the Americas, and so and and he claimed to be the, from atlantis so uh, it's well that's it's, why it's all, it's all of that man yeah it's all wow. the same stuff that, it all connects that's why that's, we're kind of going through like these series because once we get into one thing it just leads right into that next topic man. right it's so fascinating
0: well and that's how you know you're on the right trail when you you see these synchronicities yeah. you know and to bring it back to the singing tower real quick it's built out of Etowah marble, which is interesting because the, pyra- the there's pyramids supposedly and the mounds in Georgia are on the Etowah River. So look at um, that connection. And then Creole marble is another type of he marble built as it well. On
2: what he at the time thought was the highest. So that that particular area, uh-huh. which is near Lake Wales of Florida, is hilly. So the elevation is higher. And he had when he had originally built it he believed it was the high, cause it's, it's on a big hill. Did you, just you say Lake there, Wales? Lake Wales. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like the Welsh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I didn't even think about that, but yeah, it's, it's Lake Wales area. Now uh, this area where he built it, it's right off of a big hill, like a a, a huge hill. And th- there is this theory that on the Florida seal, there's mountains But then you have other people who say, no, 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 they're, you know, they're pyramids or they're mounds or whatever they are, right? They don't ever call them pyramids when they're here in the States. They call them mounds. So that's that's real weird. But when he built it, he built it on what he thought at the time was the highest point in Florida. Later on with technology, right, it was figured that it wasn't the highest topographical place in Florida. I've been to the highest point in Florida. It's somewhere up by Apopka around that area but really interesting that it's built out of this certain type of marble. You can't go in it nowadays there. It's got the, the, the stained glass. It's got the story of creation etched into the stone and it's got this entire story. It's got a serpent on one side of it to symbolize perhaps the, the, in the garden of Eden, the serpent, right? The brazen serpent and all this stuff. And it's literally a garden. And I didn't, when i went there i I was chasing my kid around right because he's a little asshole but so i didn't really pay much attention to the the features on it until i sat down this past weekend and we started talking because he's real big into the whole fin the the finish and all this stuff and in the bach saga and he's he, he
0: is the bookstore owner guy you were telling us about okay cool yeah they're two brothers is that episode coming out soon I don't know yet. <laughs> All right. Well, hopefully this one will hook be out. Up,
1: hook me up so me and Andy can do a show with him.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. He's always down. Yeah, And I know the Bach Tower Gardens doesn't have any sort of direct relationship with the Bach saga, but but it is interesting.
1: Yeah. What What are your thoughts on that? Is maybe there is one? I just haven't found it. So so it, it's it's very interesting. It's a tower. And what what did you say the tower was for? Was for? Was, so, what did you say it was for one? They don't, I don't
2: know. Cause again, this is a new concept to me, but it was just, he wanted to build a tower and he thought it was the highest point. But I mean, we know why the, they don't have
0: any pictures of it being built, right? They he only said, have pictures of it, says, it being halfway. It says on Wikipedia they hired architect Milton B Medury to design the most beautiful to tower God, in the world and it was it was built to replace the bird sanctuary that the park ex- exists in it's a bird sanctuary they had a water tower there so it's it's a replacement maybe it's still sure. a water tower but this
1: guy's so from I, I thought I uh, thought one said something about sound or something like that
0: it's well, it's the singing tower. It's
1: the singing tower. Singing, singing, yeah. singing tower. So, yeah, that yeah. triggered a thought in my head. And in in, in the box saga, the, there's this Jim Chestner video where he's talking about, like, the tower. And it was called, first of all, it wasn't called the Tower of Babel or a Babel Tower. It was called a Raw Bell, Tower, so a tower of, of light. And Interesting. they would say, they said that this is the tower where, the king of of this ringland would stand, and he would go into the top of the tower, and he would stand there with his like hands outstretched, and he was the raw, and the then, mm-hmm. yeah, and so he would give instructions down to the the nar, and then or the tor or something like that. Anyways, it would go down a line of instruction, the the guy in the tower to the guy on the ground, and then to everybody else. And this is where the word tor came from.
2: Narrator. narrator.
1: So the person that narrates the story or, or sends out the message.
2: So is he having a divine else? revelation when he's up there? Is he Having a divine experience or some sort of warped reality. Cause I think that's what these places were about about this stained glass. And we know that it's all about the way that they bend the light. And the way that these buildings are designed, again, it's to encapsulate this higher dimension. So it was this guy having like some sort of divine intervention while he's up there narr- narrating to the to the population at the
1: same time or what's going on? It doesn't really go into like that aspect of it. Just like where the word comes from and the idea of it, the concept, Mm -hmm. which I I still find fascinating because a lot of these times, like the high point and and stuff, or maybe even like with the Ark of the Covenant, they talk about maybe like being able to have like a conversation with the Lord. So Mm -hmm. maybe these areas were places where like a telephone you could call up but in a totally different way. And you could tell this guy, you know, hey, this is what we need to do. And then he could relate that to the rest of the people of the area. So maybe there's some type of language going on across light or something going on, some type of technology like that, mm-hmm. where they're able to dictate from the other ringland to another one that's, you know, thousands of miles away. Yeah. Get the, get the information. the
2: og telephone (laughs) well to connect that
1: back to
0: what we were talking about earlier with the mounds apparently they had these obsidian scrying mirrors that they had all throughout these mounds and they could have been they could have been used to you know maybe psychically or or some sort of supernatural paranormal way to communicate or it could have been as simple as like hey let's use a you know morse code with single f- signal flashes from mm-hmm. a right, reflective you stone you know it could have been that simple could where it was flashes yeah and, and it, yeah. at night you would use you know fire and instead of a it's
2: uh, it, it it plays over the mirror plays a role because essentially what they were what they were thinking about was that it opened up a portal to another because right at the time of john d it was They wanted to use it for espionage. They wanted to use it to remote view people. And they said that this this Aztec obsidian mirror was just that. It It would bend the light in such a way because a lot of the experiences that Edward Kelly had were at certain times of the day where the light was coming in through their crystal ball. And the experience would be affected when he would stand up. So it wasn't just the experience of staring into a ball for ten fucking hours in one day, right? Because they were doing these seances for hours and hours at a time. But the act of getting up and the layout of his of the architecture. Again, this is why it goes back to the bending of light. So, and for example, in the in the summoning of your guardian angel ritual of Abramelin, they they're very specific. A lot of these grimoires are very specific of what side the windows need to be in. That's the whole thing with Alistair Crowley and the Bolskin house, where the windows needed to be on a certain side of the house. There needed to be X amount of windows. They needed to be X amount of height because it's all back down to this geometric ratios. And when they meet that criteria, they tap into some sort of alternate reality. And maybe it is a perilous chapel type of thing where it just, it's all psychic. But I do think that's, a, that's what they were tapping into because Fulconelli talks about it where these buildings are alchemical texts. They're picture stories for the what? For the uneducated, for the uninitiated. So I think that they were inviting these people into these buildings. With the light of the of the stained glass and all these different things and the 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 way that, that it bounces off of here and these sounds and everything and the the lower class were having divine experiences they were having mm-hmm. this this thing where they would meet God while they were in there they didn't understand any better so when their realities are being warped inside of these places they go they're going to believe in God and they're going to follow who the people who God appointed right the higher ups in society. And they're going to do it. That was the whole thing with Constantine. He was like, Hey, I was sent by God to rule over you. It's one thing to be like, Hey, I'm the ruler. It's like, no, no, no. Well, yeah. God appointed me, bro. I talked to him yesterday. He said, it was cool that I can rule over you guys. So here they are. The, the, the ziggurats, they were built just for that. They were built for ceremonial magic top of these cigarettes. It wasn't just for, it was obviously for observing the stars and all that stuff, but it was a lot of the intention was to, again, emulate this, this point. It had to do with the points in the, in the area. Or was that it had astrological alignments. If you go back to the Florida, the, the indigenous Florida people, bro, all their stuff. And what I was going to say earlier, because you mentioned Mesoamerica was the Maya, the Mayans, there's evidence that the Mayas were in Florida. There is evidence of, the astrological oh, yeah. alignments of the mounds of the indigenous people in Florida match up directly with the Maya people. They have pottery that matches up. That's only found in Mayan culture that's found here in Florida at these mounds. But the mainstream narrative says otherwise. But there's a reason why it's Maya me, because it's linked to the Mayan people.
1: Um, and they don't talk about this. Uh, Scott Walter did that show Uncovering America or unearthed like America Unearthed. And uh, he was talking about the Mayan blue color of of what they used to, like, paint their bodies with and stuff. And basically he came to the conclusion that the blue dye was actually coming from Atlanta or Georgia. Interesting. Yeah. Whoa, that's crazy.
0: What What would the source of yeah. that be? Do they know, like, a mineral or, or some kind of source for the blue dye? Because mm-hmm. apparently blue is very rare yeah. and hard to
1: get. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there was a source for it. I, I can't recall off the top of my head. I, I watched this several years ago. I can't recall the source, but I do remember that aspect of it. I thought it was interesting, too. You know, a lot, there's a, there's a pyramids in Cuba. The Yucatan Peninsula is a very hot spot. The East Coast of Florida is where yeah, you have the Mimini, Mimini
2: Road, was. too, where Edgar, uh, so, Edgar Casey yeah, said the
1: way. Yeah, there. That? Yeah, there, uh, there's probably like some type of port where they'd pull in. Or the water level was a lot lower at one point and the Gulf of Mexico was probably not as big mm-hmm. as it is. So maybe they're able to go into there and then go up the Mississippi or down the Mississippi and hit all these different points on the way. And, uh, and, and use it for trade. And because that's what it was, that's yeah. why you have all the, that's why you have this. Terra Preta area and the Amazon is yes. because they're using it to grow shit, so that way they could take it everywhere else and, and trade crops and trade with other communities all over the world. So there's a worldwide trade network going on. And I think that's an aspect a lot of people don't talk about enough that we should probably start talking about a little bit more because I think that the whole aspect of worldwide trade in the ancient times really ties in all these civilizations together because we're not supposed to believe boats existed in BC (laughs) time period, yet the Bible starts off with fucking Noah building a big-ass ship. (laughs)
0: right yeah there are so many inaccuracies and it's really cool to be able to go back with a fine-tuned comb and and parse this stuff out because they just gave us the footnotes or the cliff notes in school right so when it comes to the box saga how do they reconcile the flood like where does that fit into their their sort of Hmm.
1: timeline yeah, I believe that's the younger, driest time period. And the ice sheets from the North Pole basically fell off, got severed, and the sheets slid across the area of like Sweden and Finland, these big, giant, fucking three mile long. Oh, so Helsinki thing, too, right? Sliding, across, yeah, just slid right through there. And, you know, one of those big old things falling in the water would cause a lot of havoc. It's interesting in the Bible, they say the flood only lasted 150 days. So that's like, what, four months maybe? And then it receded. So that's one aspect i think there's a lot of flooding and everything else going on i think a lot of the reasons why they're putting these pyramids and on these ley line points is kind of like earth acupuncture to try to calm the earth down so it wouldn't have as many cataclysms anymore and it would be more of a temperate climate so they wouldn't have to worry about all these cataclysms happening but yeah, from the Boxaga saga perspective, this great flood did happen. This is when uh, a couple of the people from Goatland or Gotland they they left Udenma and went to Gotland. They took their chickens and their goats and uh, some other animal and some of their seeds and grains and hid uh, underneath a cave where the ice sheets were sliding off over them. And then they were later able to leave this area of Gotland and come into basically like Germany and France. And they became the Gauls.
0: Now, where would Gotland be if we could, you know, point to a rough location?
1: To- it was like an island in kind of like that 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 Baltic area. I don't know if there's another na- name for that sea, but in between, like where Denmark and Sweden is, you know, in between that like kind of European place and Sweden and Norway, yeah, yeah, uh, there's like a there's like a, a waterway there. And Gotland was like an island in that area. Mm-hmm. I think it was over more towards like the Baltic side. But yeah, they they kind of hid right there and then escaped. And it's basically like a, a fucking Noah story. He took his wife and kids with him mm-hmm. and goats and chickens and anything that he could grab quickly. Yeah, and then they became. And the goat land is the good land. The good good goat and God all come from the same word essentially hmm. right so they came from the Godland. they came from the goat land and, and uh, this kind of fits into the, the holes go ahead fits into the architecture for sure because what's all the architecture it's Gaelic or Gaul architecture it's what's it called there's another word but that's where you get these gargoyles and shit and protectors and demons and whatnot right They're it's these evil demon protectors
0: hmm. like
1: the gothic it's kind of like that Yeah, gothic. There you go, gothic. Yeah, gothy. They call it gothy too, or whatever.
2: Gothic. Really? If you really look at it, gothic. Gothic.
1: Yeah. Well,
0: and it's interesting that that image has been demonized, and gothic stuff has been used in horror. Right? Like even now, the phrase gothic Mm -hmm. is totally different people don't think architecture they think like people <laughs> with a little... black hair and black makeup <laughs> and stuff you know <laughs>
1: yeah yeah they they invert I think all it, this it kind of comes from the, the idea of the gargoyle is like a protector mm. it's a uh, so i think it's kind of like halloween how you dress up in costumes and stuff to stop the spirits from inhabiting your body because the spirits are traveling around at that time so if you dress up they think you're a demon so they leave you alone so by <laughs> putting like these de- putting these demons and stuff on this architecture it actually keeps the demons away because they see that as like, Oh, there's already demons there. Don't need to go there. We'll go to the next place. It's kind of like, kind of like scarecrows or, or birds, or you put an owl somewhere and keeps all the blackbirds away. Right. Because they're scared of the decoy.
2: Well, they gotta be black though. Then is that, is that like a, is there a reason why they have to be black birds? <laughs> <laughs> what
1: one? What,
2: what
0: are you trying to do to our friend bucket. here?
2: No, so I, I want to add to that where uh I'm Sphinx. Sure say doves, keep the doves away. Yeah, keep the doves away. So Sphinxes, fine. they mud are hens,
1: but, keep the mud hands away.
2: Put on architecture that is it's symbolic for guarding knowledge. So essentially there's knowledge that's yeah. so why you see them at the Freemasonic Lodges, these Sphinxes at the entrances because they're guarding something supernatural it's not a physical thing and i never, i never heard about the gargoyles the reasoning for them being there but that would make total that's sense my reasoning they it takes a demon to defeat a demon though so it takes right. a dragon to slay a dragon that's, so that's, it would make sense
1: right that's my it, that's my reasoning to it as, as why they probably did it as part of the architecture because they want that pure resonance that pure sound that pure energy and by scaring away that negative energy or keeping it at bay, you're able to just work with that positive energy.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes total sense. But I think the the architecture is at the root of everything because the there's Vitruvius talked about how certain rooms gave certain feelings to people and that certain rooms were meant to be used for certain things. And there's a reason why there's cookie cutter fucking communities nowadays because certain architecture they they put us in this mental prisons, how David Ike says it's one thing to see and touch the bars. And it's one thing to not see it. So they're literally making all these elevations of houses, right? When you go to these different neighborhoods, they're all the same. And they're all built a certain way. And if we follow the Vitruvian principles and Pythagorean principles, if things are made to a certain ratio, they evoke feelings in people in a certain way. So who's to say that they're not literally suppressing our energies in the houses that we fucking live in, like right now? You know what I mean? Like literally in this house.
1: Yeah, I think I was gonna touch on this too. I think one of the aspects of that is that they're squared. They say evil lives in corners, right? So by if you look at the older architecture, it's all everything's always rounded inside. Everything mm-hmm. has rounded corners. There's no corners. So it keeps the positive energy flowing through. It doesn't get trapped.
2: Feng shui um, is a real thing. Is,
1: yeah, feng shui, man. We brought that up in one of the episodes a, a couple episodes ago. I don't maybe it might not even be out, but I thought that was an interesting thing too. Feng shui. Like we don't hear enough about feng shui, no. I don't think. <laughs> but it's it's, it's a, definitely it's a like thing. a yeah, it's definitely a thing to like, you know, attract those positive energies to where you're at, your location. And you know, I was even delivering the other day, and there's a group of people outside in the parking lot with their blanket down, doing their prayers to the to the sun at a certain time that they do it. I forget who what what religion they, that is, but but it's like a thing, you know, to, for them to do that at a certain time every day and a certain direction every day. It means something deep for them to be able mm-hmm. to just throw their throw their blanket down and do it in a parking lot somewhere, you know, it's very important. So yeah. obviously they're, you know,
2: cause back to the whole architect thing where the architects Facino talks about them being demiurges in these, to these buildings. And it was architecture back then was a magical practice. It was, they needed to, to practice divination because when they were building this building, they had a sea of the foundation would hold it for another hundred years. Well, you're looking into the future. 100 years. You're practicing divination. Imhotep, I think, is the Egyptian pharaoh's name, where he was an architect, he was a pharaoh, and he was a magician all at once. And again... Jesus. What?
1: Have you heard that? Have you heard that he was Jesus? Yeah, I, he Imhotep? was Jesus
0: too. <laughs> really? <laughs> I have yeah. heard that.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, elaborate further, Dan, if you know more. Yeah, if you know more, please. I... I vaguely know more, but I've, I've just heard that M M I M Hotep H yeah H O T E P. There was a there was a thing about the, the the language of of how where that came from or whatnot, mm-hmm. but I can't I can't recall off the top of my head right now. I, don't, I can't even remember where I heard that either. Damn it!
0: Well, maybe that's crazy. <laughs> One interesting take, and I know Dan reached out to me. I'm pretty sure you listened to this episode, my episode with Christopher Bierknees where he talked about the... Satanic Christ and that whole interpretation oh, of, yeah. of Jesus. He's he the one that was talking
1: about it, right? Was he the one talking about it? Yeah, he, he so. says
0: it was ba- the character of Jesus was based on she- Shezmu or she- she- Shemuz, but that's some an Egyptian Ketu
2: demon. <laughs> yeah, like some really strange
0: Egyptian deity that was like, you know, uh, yeah, he was like the, the one who Shemuz, would stomp yes. on the grapes and create wine.
2: Yeah, yeah. That's the heads yeah. of the people. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. That's fucking yeah. trippy. But yeah, this idea that the architect, the whole thing with the Masons is the divine architect. That that you, the whole Temple of Solomon and all these things, and the whole they say that the Holy Grail was that the uh, the
0: Temple well, of and Solomon. I wanted to ask Dan this as well. Like, where do the secret societies fit into the Box Saga? Because. I just had a conversation with Stephen Snyder who said that the Rosicrucians sort of gave way for the Freemasons. And, you know, we're talking about a much further, further back in time period when we're talking about the Bach saga. So, I mean, are there any secret societies that have tried to cover this up in modern times or ancient times?
1: So so my only thing, because some, some stuff is fuzzy to me, Ayake is really good at talking about the, the hospitalers. Knights Hospitallers, which were kind of like that secret society that became the Knights Templars. I think they're actually somewhat, somewhat different. They might not even be the same. But basically, they, they created all these different secret societies to keep their traditions alive and their stories and preserve them away from the Catholic Church that was coming in and destroying all their stuff. So they would go into these secret societies and keep that knowledge alive in there. So that way they couldn't destroy it or get rid of it. And then pat be able to pass it down and have these different ceremonies and different rituals to go on to preserve that idea and ingrain it into the whole thing with alchemy aspect so that way you could you could still tell the story the story would still be there even if they tried to take away all the information that was written down or whatever so i think yeah like a lot of these secret societies got started for that purpose but i believe that later on they they got hijacked and used in a different way for the wrong purposes because freemasons used to start out as being like you can believe in whatever you want and you just Get to become part of our society. Now it seems more Christianized and now you have to be Christian or you have to be part of the group to go any further in, in academia or anything like that. You have to be a part of that because they want to send a certain message of if it doesn't relate to the Bible, then you can't discover it so a lot of the archaeologists and stuff are fighting with this to get donations to do more digs and stuff they have to find something that confirms biblical things instead of non-biblical so that's why you see a lot of people like Graham Hancock and stuff on the outskirts of this trying to battle with academia about things that they uncovered because it doesn't fit into the narrative that is going on. So I, I do think like the, the masons and stuff have been overtaken by, by Christian forces or Christianity, Catholicism, whatever you want to call it. But I, I still think that some of them may be good and some of them may be not good, but it's, it's, it's hard to say. I mean, I, I know there's people out there that are Freemasons that are, seem like totally cool people, good people. And then there's some that seem like, you know, it seems like a boys' club that you have to join. But one interesting thing I did come across was that uh, the weaving spiders thing—you know, like the weaving spiders—not welcome here, on a uh, on like Bohemian Grove. It's because the the spiders were considered like the 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 norns or the three fates, uh, the weavers. Uh, they're the ones that measured and cut and weaved the the thread of of time, basically. And so by it saying like spider's not welcome here it means it's, it's no women allowed it's a it's a men's club hmm. interesting so
0: it, it it's not saying that there's like some kind of like unwritten rule to to hold secrecy it's just straight up like boys only
2: i like what Nick says <laughs> yeah, about bro
0: Huh. Was it was it Nixon,
2: the one that said about it, that quote that he says about the place? Oh, he <laughs> said it's like a
0: gayer version of something or what did like he say? Like it's the faggiest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah, he said it.
1: <laughs> yeah. See, it's, a, it's a boys club. Yeah, yeah, I guess. I mean, it was a lot. All right.
2: Or a boat.
0: Well, shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, Dan, I know you and Andy have the Bach Saga podcast, Roots of Creation, with Yakim, and I'm curious, you know, how, what can people expect from that? Because you got a lot of effort in Rising from the Ashes podcast going strong, but it seems like there's a little bit of a hiatus. I know it's hard to manage when... You have yeah. different co-hosts in different countries, but do you guys have big plans for the Roots of Creation podcast? Anything to expect from that in the near future? I think Andy and
1: I are trying to talk to Yaki and get him into it again. After our appearance on Tinfoil, he was pretty jazzed and pretty excited and stoked that people were, the, the way people are responding. And he wants to do more stuff. I i But part of that is like our time zones are off. The only day that we can really do it together is eight o'clock in morning for me in Pacific time and then eight, nine, 10, 11 for Andy. And then for him, it's like five or six o'clock. Right. Where he's at. So uh, yeah, the only able time is Sunday and, and he's kind of been he, he's a musician, so he's been getting into his band and stuff, and practicing music a lot. And now he has a girlfriend, so he's like, "Oh, I never have time around. I have a girlfriend now." So, <sighs> so we'll see. I know uh, how that I think is. He's dressed up. I know. I know he did a show recently on unslaved with Michael Tessarian. so you know there's there's still hope he kind of told us before though he kind of wants to just like release maybe three or four episodes like once every like 4 5 6 months not really stack them cuz he feels like the best way to tell the story of the box saga is is a little bit over time just like it was done for Eeyore because it took Eeyore 20 years and then Eeyore taught everybody over a a long span of time also and gave them a little bit more a little bit more but I think at this time it's pretty evident that we kind of need to know everything about it because I think the Box saga when you really look into it it actually connects to all these different types of conspiracy theories that everybody talks about mm. and it's pretty interesting because it seems like it has all the answers to them too and it's like well fuck like, <laughs> mm. like you know like what are you supposed to do about that right so i kind of go back and forth personally with back box saga is it like is it telling us who these elites are are these people not the elites are these people like did they kind of hijack what the elites used to do and now they're doing it what group is running what i don't i don't fucking know it's still as messy as it ever was but at least i have like this idea of maybe how of these all these different things came about because when you go back into antiquity with the saga it kind of tells you about how these different systems came about where like the languages came from and it gives you a different perspective on on how history was formed and how, how people lived at this time so I think the box saga gives a really good example of immaculate conception because of the offering system and they would take the sperm from lemminkainen and they would take it the rabbi or the rabbi would take it from the main ring land which was like the kingdom of heaven which was asgard and everything else and they would take that offering to another ring land and then that female goddess would consume it or not consume it but fertilize herself basically and have multiple babies and i think this kind of gets into the idea of lilith how lilith was a goddess given to adam and she would have the babies and then she later was like okay well now i'm giving childbirth to women because now the ringland system of child production stopped and now everybody was fucking everybody which is a certain thing that in the Bible God hated because this was against nature. It was they weren't supposed to just fuck whoever they wanted. They are supposed to only have sex for the ceremonial purposes of procreating more children. And because the sun is what gives you life, the, the reason why the system was the way it was, was so that it contains parts of the sun within your body. So you stay in that light perspective. And once people started fucking everywhere and spreading their seeds all over the place. All of a sudden, now there was no sacredness to it anymore, and people were losing their soul essence, basically. So, basically, we're all the soulless ones. That's why we formed religion in a way so that way we could find out what our higher purpose was because we have lost our higher purpose because we just fuck everything that moves now.
2: And that's, yeah, that's a that's a big thing in secret societies too. Not
0: well, and it's not just a big thing in secret seed. societies. It's a big thing now. I mean, look at all these dudes. Like we were talking about the carnivore guy before, but look at all these dudes of Andrew Tate's probably saying shit like that. Who, the manosphere, you know, guys are talking about semen retention. I had a a guest on mm-hmm. Tom Barber, lead singer for Chelsea Grin. He's talking about it. You know, he's a hardcore metal guy. You know, I think people are starting to wake up and realize that our relationship with the opposite sex has been manipulated. And and if that means preserving your light by having less sex and more meaningful sex instead of frequency or quantity, you have a better quality sex. I mean, who wouldn't? want that right especially if it helps correct some of the problems that we're heading towards as a population right i mean not that i believe in Mm -hmm. this overpopulation bs but i think that there's way too many children who don't grow up with the right resources to become a healthy adult and if we raised our children in that way where it was more ceremonial and communal and, and, you know, it takes a village to raise one person, they say. So Yeah, that's what we need to do, Uh you know? And, And that's why we started talking about your upcoming move, because it's cool to see us in this community as we, you know, grow our shows also, you know, get rooted into a place because I think that's ultimately what we're evolving Out of this podcast community is an actual infrastructure behind it of real people working together and, you know, making something that's, yeah, real community, a a difference, a real difference. But yeah, very interesting. Juan, any final thoughts before we close off here? I mean, any final questions for Dan? No, no, no. I just... (laughs) <laughs> Keep
2: up the good work, bro. Yeah, we got to do more. Sh- we got to do shows more often. I don't think we, I always, yeah. I always <laughs> podcast with Romy and I haven't podcasted with, you, you know, so we got to start connecting more and, wow. and uh, pumping out yeah, some man. more content
0: certainly will be easier sure. when him and roman are in the same building if that ever happens I hope it does <laughs> maybe we can organize yeah, we'll a meetup that's kind of like a halfway point between juan and i so that would be cool if you guys make it down there uh, definitely keep that in mind I'd love to do some kind of meetup but yeah dan it's Great to have you here, brother. I think we ought to do an Illuminati confirmed rising from the ashes swapcast soon, once Chris and Roman are Let's less busy. And mm. and yeah, any final thoughts? Anything you'd like to plug for for people tuning in?
1: Yeah, man. You can check Andy out and myself on Juan's podcast one-on-one Juan Juan, whenever that fucking drops
2: bro it's one episode uh, a week okay
1: it's funny because we were on there and he by the time we got to the end of the show Juan was like okay holy shit, I have to go do research and study for this because I thought this was just like a little tiny story. This is a way bigger than I fucking thought. I was like, yeah, yeah, get it (laughs) back. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, there's a fucking lot to it. It's not just, you know, a dick and pony show around here. We're not talking about dog dicks. So, yeah, go check out Rising from the Ashes with the homie Romy and I. We are expanding and doing all kinds of new stuff. We are doing a a live show with Raven Wolfson, who's been a guest on the show about three times. And he has paranormal experiences where he says he saw blue people. He has kind of downloads, gets downloads from his experiences. He also is avid studier of research into history. And he's an artist. So we had him on a live show last week on Thursday. And it went pretty well and that uh, he's going to be coming back on once a month to do live shows on YouTube with us and that people can come on and ask, ask him questions or ask us questions. And we're going to try to be more interactive in the future because we haven't been to doing too much live stuff or getting out there like that. So we're going to be doing that. And then also homie and I are going to be doing Sunday slow burns every Sunday. At a designated time, we haven't decided yet, and those are just going to be live shows with him and I. And other podcasters can come and join, and other listeners, if their listeners want to come on and be a part of the show, they're also welcome to join and talk to us and everybody else and share their experiences or any information that they have. And we're kind of just going to read some articles and do some news topics, but keep it more esoteric and about ancient history rather than politics and ongoings in the world of today.
0: Mm. Yeah. I love that, man. And it's cool to see you guys diversifying your content and doing all sorts of things. And, and, you know, you got a Patreon, so folks, support the Rising from the um, Ashes Patreon. You don't just get Dan's lovely, sweet voice here; you also get Roman <laughs> and his own content. He's plugged that plenty of times on this show. Yeah, but yeah, sign up on the Patreon and <clears throat> and support these and independent also, podcasters.
1: We have probably about thirty plus episodes on there now, oh, and cool. a lot of those have never even seen the light of day uh on the regular feed so they're only available for people that subscribe to the patreon it's only three dollars and also if you want to just you know send a donation through patreon you can send us donations you don't have to become a patreon member if you don't want to deal with that whatever, Uh, but you do. There's plenty of stuff on there to check out. And so I think in the future, we're going to kind of move into the format you guys do with Patreon. And then we're going to put episodes up on there and then release them like a month later onto regular feed because there's a lot of content on there that's really fucking good. But, you know, we only have 12 Patreon members. So we wanted to try to get more people to hear these things, but we want to give people that are donating to us like a first look at least or something right. that other people aren't getting because we appreciate them being donating. So,
0: yeah. Hey, it's only a matter of time too, man. I mean, 12 people turn to 22 and it'll turn to 52 and then it'll turn to 82 and you'd be like, Holy crap, we're making <laughs> nearly half a G a month, you know, or however much it comes <laughs> out to. So, and I know I encourage Wanda yeah. to set up a Patreon and he had like, what 10 people sign up like right away so you you can't ever underestimate the value Mm -hmm. that you're bringing and i think you and roman are doing a great job so yeah thanks for joining us brother and rolling with this i know it was a little unconventional start and thanks for being patient and uh, yeah i look forward to our next chat but until next time thank you folks make sure you follow the one-on-one podcast sign up for the one-on-one patreon and, of course, you'll see the Illuminati Confirmed podcast there that Juan and I do together. Anything else you want to plug, Juan, before we go?
2: No, I got some stuff in the works, so we'll be talking to the community soon about it. Rolling trays. I'm always doing. Rolling trays. No, well, I got the rolling trays. Yeah, those are up on the on the Co-Fi. Rolling trays, leather bookmarks, all that good stuff. Cool. And I've got also some other stuff that I'm working on that I'm really excited about. I'm just trying to bring new stuff to the community and do things that other people aren't doing. So, yeah, stay tuned for that. Right on. Well,
0: while yeah, one is burning away with the laser, I'm going to be burning blunt over here <laughs> editing some
1: more content. Until next one, time, folks, enjoy the moment. My thing is... Oh, go ahead. Wait. We have a merch store too. So we do have some t-shirts and there's a new t-shirt called, I lost my train of Thoth with a train (laughs) with a Thoth as the conductor of the train and his face on the front of the engine. So check out that shirt. That's a really fucking cool shirt. And yeah, buy some merch and help support us, man, because, uh, you know, we put a lot of effort into this and we don't ask for very much. So value for value for the sitting in the, yeah, value for value, exactly.
0: Yeah, man. No, for sure. I definitely want to cop a Rising from the Ashes shirt myself. I like your guys' logo. If you have just a straight-up logo shirt, I would rock that. Or maybe the Train yeah. thought shirt. I, I'm,
2: I, or even a face of Dan. Who gives a fuck? We're just going to put on a Rising from the Ashes shirt.
0: <laughs> sure. That'd be cool. You want my face
1: on your shirt? Or the yeah, i tri- yeah,
0: call it the Tribe of Dan and then have Roman on the back, and then it'll say Fire Tribe, and it will just be like... <laughs> I was spitting fire
1: Oh that's good like Roman has like the demon with his tongue sticking out
0: (laughs) Yeah like the pan bro Yeah (laughs) you're like the the angel he's like the demon on the shoulder you know (laughs) (laughs) Oh man well our heart goes out to Roman we know you had a rough night last night And a shout out to everyone in the fire tribe Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the moment wherever you are in the now All right, and that is our episode with Juan Ayala and Dan Danunati. Juan Ayala, of course, is my co-host on the Illuminati Confirmed podcast. He also has his own killer podcast called the Juan on Juan podcast. Go and check that out. He's been doing a lot of great interviews lately, crushing it. Juan has been crushing it. I want to give you guys a few examples of some of the interviews that Juan has done and you know we're winding down here so you're probably like oh what am i gonna listen to next well here's here's my advice you have some choices okay you can go and check out homunculus rising where Dona and juan go deep uh you can check out the box saga versus the saxer saga where juan uh, basically does exactly what we <laughs> we did in this conversation what the fuck they basically just had the same conversation uh, that we did here without me. So, whatever. I'm done plugging Juan now that I see that bonus box saga with Donunaki Dan and Andy Rouse. Look at this. This is incestuous. I go to give my good buddy a plug and he's he's basically putting better episodes. No, this isn't better did he put this is i'm confused this this is this will be funny to people who listen to uh illuminati confirm but i'll I'll just stop right there dan Donunaki, dan you're G. shout out to the rising from the ashes podcast uh turns out if you want to hear both of them they've been doing podcasts without me i feel left out now that i see I was about to plug Juan's new episodes, and now I see they're all with Dan. So now I feel left out. Go and check those out, and you can see Dan and Juan. Uh, anyways, that's all for today's episode. Hammering it hard this week. This is the either the last day. Of september or a day in october when this is coming out i don't know for sure yet or you're getting it on the patreon a bunch of days early so shout out to all the real ones in the patreon if you know what's good for you you'll sign up for the patreon until next time i love all of you have a great moment wherever you are in the now. peace so um, we've had a good couple of weeks of shows
1: Mark is doing a great job, even though he drives me fucking nuts sometimes. He's great. No, he's done a great job. He's done a great job. Good job, Mark. You can call me Mark Palmer. Mark Palmer's
3: cool. Mark Palmer's... It's a beautiful day to be alive. Motherfuckers. It's a beautiful day. Beautiful day. It's a beautiful day to be alive. That's all I got to say. I don't think it's about money. I think they have so much. It's just about... It's, it's a spiritual war, dude. It's so much farther. There's more power for spring flowers than pseudo intellectuals filled by hate with the face sour. When it comes to the hour of reckoning, recollect, reconnect with days happening. Yeah, are you frowning or laughing? Are you making the brain or barely passing? Caught in the asinine like the afterlife. Obsessed with darkness after you mastered light. Cause it's faster than a blink. When it's a bastard, latch to the clank, clang, The money don't mean a damn thing, think. Happiness ain't coming from the bank, dang I'm out here daydreaming The spirit's the egg, the self is the semen uh, And that's cause life is the child And it takes a village to give it the illest style So, if your family think you crazy mm, And you ain't got a village I know you always got a place here I'm calm, kick it, we chillin' exactly dude you get it bro you're so smart everybody you're so smart <laughs> feel like i'm waking up for the first time crusty's on my third eye but i'm back to the grind Pop the blinds open, let the sun shine I Feel it on my skin like it has been sometimes, sometimes Depression got me flaking like Sisyphus Others got me messing with mania like Icarus And meditation helps with the sickness Some say it's human condition, but it just isn't There's more power in spring flowers There's circular thoughts that leave the mind devoured Blurred lines between reality and fiction And some politicians get dirtier than dishes But for a minute, just forget about the government I'm looking at you and I and where the love went Cause we don't need a fucking village full of cynics Need a family to foster a life worth living if it isn't And hey, your family think you crazy, yeah And hey, you ain't got a village I know you always got a place here mm. Come on, kick it, we chilling. yeah I'm a boy I'm I'm a psychic. I'm a prophet bro Why, why are you questioning that? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a beautiful day, yeah, yeah, yeah. beautiful, beautiful yeah, yeah. day I never trust a dude
2: in a sweater, that's all I gotta say
0: <laughs> Mark Palmer's
3: cool, how are you brother? I'm great man, how are you?